All right, let's bring on Luke Lloyd. What's going on, Luke? Money Mitch, what's up, man? Good to be here. What's going on, man? Looks like, uh, for some reason, I don't know if you're on the right camera. You might be swapped. It's like a little bit stretchy. I just want to check there. But if not, I think you're perfectly set. We don't have to worry about it too much. There well, we go. I really don't care about how we look is, or how I look as long as I get the right information across. Sound. Right? So, sound is always important. As long as I don't look horrible, one. Mitch. Then yeah, yeah. Don't enough. worry. On Friday, I had laggy internet. I even took my camera down. I, you don't have to see my pretty self. You just got to listen sometimes. That's what I say. <laughs> That's so right. let's get into it. Let's first talk about, you know, everyone seems to be putting the blame on the Fed right now, right? And though they are responsible for the recent, you know, hike rate, are they really the worrying and the reason behind the world's energy crisis? I think there's so many reasons. You can't just blame the Fed. I, I mean, I can go into d big detail about all the different reasons, but when you truly look at it, you know, I think we're in this mess for a marathon, not a sprint, because when things are this messed up, you don't get back to stable growth in the economy or stock market quickly. So the Federal Reserve is trying to fix the irresponsible spending that happened in Washington, really ever since 2008 and 2009. They've just done a very bad job at cooling demand. So, you know, they should have started hiking rates when they said inflation was transitory over a year ago, right? So now that we're in this situation when you know things look really bad, the government actually isn't the only culprit here, though. You know, things like the push towards renewable energy, ESG investing, that's what led us into the world energy crisis we're having now, which is one of the systematic and biggest issues out there that really nobody's talking about. I mean, it has kind of similarities to 2008, 2009 in that it's a structural systematic problem. You know, I don't think people realize how bad it actually is over in Europe. You know, people literally can't afford to turn on their lights. And we might be looking at something similar here during the winter in the U.S. So people also don't realize the humanitarian impacts this has on the world. So when businesses can't turn on their lights, when businesses can't manufacture food, it's a trickle down effect. People end up hurting and some people end up dying and starving from these kinds of events. So all these ridiculous narratives, all these ridiculous policies led us into the systematic issues we're having today, not just the federal government, not just the Federal Reserve. Now, of course, you know, we started seeing the concerns that are out there, the Credit Suisse news hitting the uh, tape today. Now, the question comes, will we get another Lehman Brothers moment if the Fed continues this hawkish stance? I don't think that's the base case, but I'm not going to throw out the window, Mitch. I think it's a possibility. I just don't think it's truly going to be as bad. You know, one of the biggest worries you have to you know, truly look at and worry about is how levered companies are as these interest rates rise. So, you know, with rates rising, you know, so quick over the past six months, you know, a lot of the companies are getting shocked as the cost of debt rises. So, you know, a lot of these companies are tailored or are, are levered towards these floating rates. So as interest rates rise, their cost of debt goes up. So it's really important to understand which companies you own and how levered they actually are. Your default risk is on the rise and something you really need to pay attention to. Again, all you need to do is take a look back to 2008 and 2009. This whole economy was fueled by debt for 13 years straight. So, so many companies and so many people got used to 0% interest rates, got used to low-cost mortgages, low-cost debt that fueled the economy. People owned multiple properties. People owned, started up multiple businesses. Businesses invested heavily into research and development, right? So we haven't seen a, a, a time 
uh, in 13 years, like we're currently heading into, that's probably going to last deeper and longer than most people expect. And that's that's the thing about the stock market right now is a lot of people think it's going to be that V-shaped recovery. We dropped you know, 25, 30% and there's going to be a big bounce back quick. What I'm really worried about is that we stay pretty stagnant and, and don't have much gains really over the next four or five years. I think it's an active stock pickers market. This whole passively you know, passive investing over the past 13 years also led into uh, an equity bubble that we saw, you know, pop that we're seeing pop right now. Now, what game or mandate do you think that the Fed is going to be playing moving forward? Because it seems to me like they they love to play the game of extreme. Well, I, I think they've been so wrong. So they have to play the game of extremes right now. They're trying to make up for what they didn't do a year ago. So the two key factors that the economy and that the Fed is watching right now, and you know, when we get back to some sort of normalcy down the road that you have to keep an eye on, is the job market and inflation, right? That's really what the Fed is looking at to control, you know, stabilize prices and to uh, you know put down unemployment as far as they can really be and a safe, healthy rate of unemployment. So until inflation gets back down really below three or four percent, we won't see normalcy, in my opinion, in the stock market or the economy. And the big key, the, the kicker to that is what unemployment rate is attached to that 4% level on inflation, right? Is it 4%, 6% unemployment, 7%, 10%? I mean, that's truly going to be the key to the market going forward because we talked about default risk. We talked about how the whole economy was fueled by debt, right? As unemployment starts kicking up, people won't be able to live off of credit card debt anymore. They won't be able to live off of debt anymore, right? They will literally have no money to spend. So as you see that unemployment take up, you're going to see defaults kick up as well. So depending on how high um, unemployment goes as we cool down this demand, cool down this inflation, that's the key to this market. And, and you know, base case, you know, I think we'll see closer, closer to around probably 6% unemployment. So I think we probably still have some downside to go in the market before we really um, factor in all that's about to come over the next year. Yeah. And I mean, it's uh, not what you want to be hearing, too. You know, a lot of this is uh, the talk out there that bad news is good news right now. But it's the way you look at it. Right. One of the I things think, that uh, bad, I think bad news is bad news and good news is bad news at this point. Right. Yeah. yeah it's troubled out there. Now, one thing that I noticed and I've, I've heard you recently talk about it. So let's talk about the eyeball test versus what truly is happening in the economy. Because it seems like to me, I was in New York City recently and walking yep. around and I could see, you know, a lot of consumers spending on up. But in certain areas, of course, of the country, I live in Charlotte yep. also, you're seeing more of signs of concern, right? Trying to cut costs, trying to, you know, worry about those pennies and nickels at the grocery store. So yep. what do you think really truly is happening here with the eyeball test? versus what's really happening in the economy. Sometimes all you need to do, and that's a great point, Mitch. Sometimes all you need to do is go to the gas pump, go to the grocery store, walk around a little bit, right? I mean, you can look at all the numbers, all the research you can. I think that's one of the reasons why the Fed got in trouble, you know, and they didn't do their job over the past year because they're just looking at the numbers. They, they live in their own bubbles, right? So yeah. it's very interesting to me the disconnect between parts of the economy. So I was just in Beverly Hills, you know, California and spoke at a conference back during Wednesday through Friday of last week. And people aren't thinking twice about spending money out there, right? That was my first time in Cali, right? And my observation was everyone's spending money. Everyone's going out. Nobody cares about what's happening out there. They're just going about their lives, right? When I came back to Cleveland, Ohio, back here, I was at an event, uh, an event yesterday 
where all the people could talk about was trying to find the free food and all the free gadgets that people were giving out. So I think a lot of people and a lot of companies also don't realize how truly bad it is out there for many Americans and many earnings estimates are too high going forward that are factoring in that the economy is okay and that everything's good to go over the next year. So, you know, when we talk about earnings and people spending money in the economy, we're expecting, or, you know, I say we, you know, Wall Street um, estimates are 8% earnings growth next year uh, for 2023. Personally, I don't see an environment where we can get anywhere close to 8% earnings growth because I'll tell you what, Cleveland, Ohio, Ohio in general, you know, that's a true reflection, I think, of, you know, uh, the America as a whole, right? Not Beverly Hills, California. So I think a lot of these analysts out there, a lot of, you know, uh, politicians, Wall Street folks, I think they get disconnected from reality. And that's what we're seeing right now in the market. I, and that's why I think we got some uh, a reversion uh, to go that's going to factor in what's truly happening. Now, how do you feel about year end outlooks and what do you expect moving into Q4? I know Citigroup put out today, they slashed their S&P 500 target from uh, 4,000 uh, to 4,000 from 4,200. And of course, there was those wild ones out there that were looking at all time highs. What do you see here, Lloyd? Yeah, so I mean, that's a great question, right? I don't have a crystal ball, but what I will say is, Talking about how disconnected I think reality is from the stock market and the economy really from the stock market still is. I think we could easily see, you know, bounce um, from here at this point. But I, I think we'll truly end up right around where we're at. You know, I think we'll end up probably closer to 3,500 uh, area on the S&P 500 by the end of the year. Um, but, you know, we, we dropped off quickly um, over the past couple of weeks. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a 5 to 10% bear market bounce just like we saw before. Right. That's very common in a bear market. But really what I'm looking for, look, looking into is where we're going to end up mid next year, heading into the end of 2023, because I think that's truly how long, you know, these, these bad parts of the economy are, are going to get worse and, and last is into the end of next year. So, you know, I think when it's all said and done and what I'm really, truly looking at is somewhere between 3000 and 3400 on the S&P is where we're going to kind of bottom. So I think we got anywhere between five to 15 percent to go um, over the next year. And again, I, I don't really know if that's calling the bottom or talking about the bottom is really um, what's important here. I think it's really looking into how long growth is going to be um, stagnant, if not negative, over the next couple of years. Because I think that's more important than trying to time the bottom at this point to position your portfolios and prepare for a prolonged level of stagflation or possibly even a deflation environment um, going forward. All right, let's leave off on one last question, more opportunity outlook here. And uh, one thing that I wanted to bring in, and this was by FinViz, is just a, a one-year relative performance, right? Um, yep. And you can see there communication services, consumer cyclical, technology, the leading three sectors on the downside. So where do you see some opportunities going into next year, uh, keeping this in mind? Well, I'm always about some, uh, momentum, right? Whatever's they always say buy low and, and sell high, right? But when in reality, really, if you take a look at history, it's sometimes buy high and sell higher, right? So you sometimes want to look at the top three performing sectors as we head into these issues that get worse, right? I'm not saying these are going to be the best, um, uh, the best thing in the entire world, because I think cash makes a, still a lot of sense um, in this environment. Not all cash, but a good, good portion of cash. But, you know, energy going into the winter, you know, I talked about how Europe is in a bad spot. I talked about how, 
um, America is probably going to be heading there, right? And OPEC just cut their supply estimates, right? So, you know, people aren't going to, you know, still have to turn on the electricity. People still have to put on their, their heating units heading into winter, right? So I think that energy might still have some momentum behind it so long as we aren't in this crazy deep recession over the next three months where people literally can't afford to turn on their electricity and turn on the utilities, right? Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. But consumer defensive, I think also is a spot to be the McDonald's of the world. I think you got to stick with the top three um, in the short term. I think those are the best spots to be. But as we go into next year, I do think you're going to see a lot of opportunities uh, in the, the larger cap tech names. So mid next year, late next year, I think you're going to be wanting to own the Microsofts, Apples, the Googles of the world. Um, now we probably still see some more pain in tech, but I think you got to get ready for that next year. Hey, well, thank you for bringing some reality into here. Luke Lloyd, Wealth Advisor, Investment Strategist at Strategic Wealth Partners. Always glad to have you on, Luke. Thanks, Mitch. Looking forward to it. Take care, Luke.